I can't win for losing today. <laughs> Good morning, America. Welcome Christian conservatives, constitutionalists, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUVWXYZ people, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. And I'm the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. For Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us. I, um, <clears throat> If we have some problems, okay, you guys can hear us. Okay, great. I don't know what was going on there with the music. Um, I think something uh, happened to where I tried something else last night, and um, and that was to turn off my board because we ha- kept having the sound drop. So I'm trying everything I can try to make to make things work, and um, <clears throat> one of the issues is is that uh, in doing so, it messes with other things. So the problem that I have here is that I've got um, uh, some stuff going on uh, that I didn't. Instead of turning the board on first when I rebooted my computer, I did it after. So that's why the first part sounded uh, a little weird. All the other stuff I think is fixed. Hopefully Lynn sounds okay when we bring her on, and um, we'll we'll deal with that. So hang in there with me. Sometimes I'm a one-man band here. There's nobody helping me, so i got to figure it out myself when something goes on. Anyway, if you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. You can also watch the live video feed of the radio show on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Just scroll down on the right. You can see it there. Uh, that's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. And uh, you can also check out that live video feed on my Twitter account at FPP Tim, FPP Tim on Twitter. Facebook is Bradley Dean SOL. <clears throat> Our YouTube channel is B Dean Sons of Liberty. We are on DLive.tv at The Sons of Liberty, and then we're on 6 a.m. every weekday on BeforeIt'sNews.com, and then 3 p.m. in the Eastern Time on Before It's News. Bradley comes on every weekday, and then on Saturdays on at 3 p.m. again for two hours. So be sure to check that out. And then finally, if you're across any of these other social media outlets, Freely, Gab, MeWe, Minds, and USA.Life, please feel free to look us up there at Sons of Liberty or Sons of Liberty Media. And um, <clears throat> so while I'm going to turn this over in just a moment to Lynn, I want to let you know something. We have a star-studded cast this week, right? Lynn's going to be up. She's got some bombshells that are <laughs> she's going to drop on you guys. Um, <clears throat> you talking about overtaking Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and all this other with socialism. Oh, the, we've really done it um, with uh, the Trump administration. So she's going to be bringing some of those in just a moment. We'll let you know tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., uh, former ambassador under Ronald Reagan, Alan Keyes, will be joining us. And then on Friday, my friend Gordon Runyon, we uh, did a interview, and it's on resistance to tyrants, Romans 13. you got friends who want to know what that is. Uh, we talk about that and his book. It's it's old, but it's very relevant right now. You don't want to miss that on Friday. And then next week, we're tentative, at least what I'm hearing from the staffer, that we're going to have Congressman Thomas Massey on. So we're going to have him on. I don't know how, for how long. We may get 15 minutes. We may get an hour. Who knows? So um, <clears throat> be in prayer about that, because I'd love to keep him on for the whole hour if we can do that. But we'll see what we can do. In any case, this is Rotten to the Core Wednesday. And on Rotten to the Core Wednesday, and by the way, good morning to everybody in the chat room, uh, across Facebook and YouTube, Joni, Ricky, um, <clears throat> Bill, Cece, Brian, Christine, 
uh, Troy, Joyce, Andrea. We got people from the UK. We got people from the UK, US. I think we got some people maybe from Pakistan, um, Uganda, just all over the world. And we appreciate you guys joining us. Now, what we're going to be talking about today is obviously stuff from the United States. But the principles that we bring out in all of this can be applied anywhere. Why? Because they're biblical principles. They're not just American principles. And when somebody tells you American values and American principles, I used to say this on uh, my other show, and that was American principles and values are really biblical principles and values, and you can't get away from that. So with that said, it's Rotten to the Core Wednesday, and I want to welcome my (laughs) co-host for Wednesday, Lynn Taylor. Good morning, Lynn. Well, good morning to you. Well, I uh, we are putting things together, and I know you've been running around like a chicken with your head cut off uh, putting all this stuff together, and uh, we've talked about some of these things. One of the interesting things, I think I got up, we got off the show last Wednesday, and you were pulling through all this stimulus stuff still, which some people, you mm-hmm. know, it becomes a news story. Oh, it's $2 trillion. We're, we're tired of this, this, that, and the other. And then you come across this thing about grants for student debt loan. Now, if uh, let me tee it up for you, and then you can launch off into all this. For those okay. who haven't been paying attention, that, this is what a large majority of Democrat presidential candidates have been pushing, is some type of forgiveness of student debt loans. And this is money that taxpayers have given students to go to school. Some of them get in tremendous debt. I mean, the horror stories that come out of that, that they go to school, they get the sheepskin, they do all the stuff, and they end up having to work two or three jobs. They have to move back in with mom and dad just to pay the debt. Some of them are you know, $60,000, some of them $100,000, $200,000 in school. And it's like, what were you thinking for that? And so you discovered some stuff in the stimulus. I don't know if you want to hit that first, if you want to take some other things first. But that's one of the, the big, the big uh, bombshells that we've got this week is what was in the stimulus concerning grants and student loan debt. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Okay, well, if you want to start there, we'll just dive in there. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Okay, so if you want to pull up the uh, visual where it was the CARES Act repayment sections for education, we'll just start there, okay? All right, go ahead. I got it. All right, well, what I did for everybody was I went through um, the different sections, and there they are in one little place for you. You've got Section 3505, which goes for your work-study education. You'll get a a year to repay whatever um, stimulus you're getting or to attach to your uh, or attach to your student loan and this is all in the name now let me preface this this is all in the name of COVID-19 relief all right and when you hear the mainstream news it's go oh, yes well students are going to get a break you know they're going to be able to have their loans deferred or you know the you know everything's put on hold but what we're seeing is in legislation like the CARES Act, which has become a law under President Trump, you've got billions of dollars, Tim, that have been divvied up in waivers or grants or uh, some sort of loan deferment. Now, that sounds great, fine, and wonderful until you get to looking at the fine print. And in the fine print on the loan deferment, it's not on the principal, it's on the interest. Now, if I've got a massive amount of student debt, and believe me, I know plenty of kids who do have that, and they've come from really good homes where they've tried to do everything they can to get 
their education, but this was, you know, the only choice they had. You've got massive amounts of debt, and instead of it being like, okay, your whole $500 a month payment has been put on hold or reduced to what you can afford right now, it's the interest. Well, I don't know what the interest is or the interest rate is, but it's certainly not as much as the principal. So what was the government thinking and saying, oh, well, yeah, we'll give you a break, but it's just going to be on the interest. And then what happens when, when all this is over? I mean, you know, everybody keeps saying, oh, when this is over, when we get back to normal. Well, there will not be a normal. It will be our new uh, system when all this is said and done. So what happens is you're going to have a couple of things. Either it's going to balloon and you have to have everything all at once, which, you know, if you've been out of work right now, it's going to take you a while to get back on your feet. No, you won't have it. And you won't have it then, you don't have it now, and then what happens, okay? Who gets your loan? What happens to it? Well, under this CARES Act, if the government doesn't get it, some private company is going to get it, and then you're going to be beholden to not just one entity but two entities, and it's going to be a nightmare, okay? This work-study program will go in for the apprenticeships. Now, here's the irony. The um, administration has just ramped up apprenticeships from a national level. So you've got national apprenticeships which are diving into education for workforce needs. This is all about the sustainable development goals, number four and number eight, being carried out together, but it's done in the name of COVID. All right? Uh, another place that you're going to see um, some sort of supposed relief will be institutional waivers, student waivers, and then canceling loan obligations. That's going to be in Section 3508. And, you know, people think, oh, a waiver, that's a free pass for me. No, it shifts control and reduces your rights. And there's a wonderful website that I got that particular uh uh, information from that explains how a government works when it hands out waivers. And that is a link that was embedded in that article that I just wrote, Tim. And if folks really want to do their own research into how waivers take that control away, I would suggest that they go and read that because it's quite in detail. But it absolutely, the bottom line is it takes away your rights and gives control back over to the government. But under this scheme, in the name of COVID, it could also give it to a private group. So here we're seeing things being privatized. This is a move directly into socialism. All right? You've got other sections there that are going to control other universities. You've got um, income-driven repayment options. Okay, that's the glorified indentured servitude clause right there. And this was a law that a supposed uh, person who wants to make America what it used to be has put into gear for us. So while we've had presidents who've hinted at socialism before and put in little programs for, you know, going there, this administration, this president has done it lock, stock, and barrel in the name of COVID relief by signing this into law. And he didn't have to. Congress was the idiot who um, put it out there. He could have vetoed this. He could have said, no way, this is against the Constitution. I'm not doing this to America. I'm not going to, you know, usher in all this kind of globalism and, and fascism and socialism. And no, he didn't. He signed it. 
No, I totally agree. And this is part of the thing I think Bradley brought up in his article on bringing justice. Is the whole thing is it lies with the president to make sure the laws are faithfully executed, whether it is bringing justice against people like, oh, I don't know, uh, Hillary Clinton or Barack Hussein Obama, Satoris Barker, Eric Holder, you name all these people, John Podesta, you name all these people. That's a part, Article 2, Section 3 of the Constitution, where that is his job. In fact, I would challenge anybody out there, show me an Article 2 where it is the president's job to be over the economy. It's not. He has nothing to do with the economy. That's just the, that's just the reality. He has nothing to do with that. His job is to make sure the laws are faithfully executed. Now, when you get to stuff like this, these things that you're pointing out, you're mm-hmm. exactly right. We, there's, there's equal blame here in the sense that Congress puts forth these unconstitutional bills, and, the, and the, the point of separating the powers out is so at least one side can come across and say, hey, this is unconstitutional. Now, I know what people mm-hmm. immediately say, Land. They'll say, well, he doesn't have line item veto. You know, I'd like to see one time a president just try to do that. Just try to do it because they've already went and done all kinds of other unconstitutional things. Said, look, I'm going to strike this from the bill. I'm going to strike that from the bill. You guys have already passed all these things that that I'm you, – you've passed everything uh, in this bill. So I'm just going to say these things in the bill that are unconstitutional, I'm striking. I'm going to go ahead and pass everything else. I'd like to see somebody give that a shot. And the only reason I say to do that is because Congress has passed the things he will pass – and they've they've passed things that he says no I'm not going to pass that so but you're right in all of this time no vetoes are, have been issued for any bills that I can think of now he's given threats for that but what are we looking at when we have all of these kinds of things we are pushing obviously a form of socialism we've talked about the stimulus money and somebody made mention that stimulus makes it sound innocuous and I agree it does uh, we could say stealing from Peter to pay Paul kind of thing. Um, and I'm I'm pretty comfortable saying it's, it is a theft, um, it is unlaw it is uh, lawless, and you know Trump should be called out as much as Congress is called out because they both have a role to play. So when all these things come down, what are you finding out? Uh, what is your your estimation of what this does for people with student debt loan? I mean, you, you're telling us these sections in here. What does it do for those students who have this enormous uh, weight on their shoulders of student debt? not going to do a darn thing it's going to keep the debt there and if it doesn't keep the debt there and see this is the thing with our government there are so many strings all right that if it's not a direct payback in some form they're going to get their pound of flesh in other ways and you know we've seen this happen before um it could be uh somehow garnishing your taxes it could be, uh, you know, hey, you're going to have to go work for the government or you're going to have to go work for this private group that took your loan. Um, it's going to be any of those sorts of combinations because in some form they're going to get it. And, you know, let's say that you had a cosigner. They're going to go after cosigners as well. And we've seen this horror story play out too. So it's not just one person that's going to be impacted by this. It's, you know, and... What relief? Really, what relief are you getting when you know that the government's going to dangle this out there in front of you and go, oh, yes, we are so concerned about you, and yes, this is such a tough time, and oh, my goodness, and here you go, and that's a good boy or that's a good girl, and then later, well, time to pay up. 
how are they going to make you pay? Well, like I said, it's going to be in some way. And see, one of the things that, that was really interesting was back when Obama was president, that came up with a somehow um, indentured servitude program, whereas if in education, let's say you had a massive amount of debt, okay, you could make faithfully make your payments for 10 years, all right? At the end of that 10 years, whatever left whatever was left on your student loan would be automatically forgiven. And let's point out, when your debt is forgiven, it doesn't go away. It means that I get to pay it, or you get to pay it, or some other person down the street gets to pay it. So again, that's another form of socialism, all right? Point of it is, is that the the balance would be forgiven as long as you went to work for the federal government. Now, under the USMCA, the United States Canada, uh, excuse me, Mexico Canada Agreement, all right, we have things like that woven in as well. We're going to see a huge increase in government jobs. In the name of COVID, if you look at the CARES Act, if you look at all these um, relief bills and stimulus stuff, what are we seeing? We're seeing expansion in federal government jobs, and they're mainly going to be in technology and in health care because, after all, we can't talk to each other, but we can, by George, continue to diagnose people over the phone or over the computer. No, I agree. I agree. In fact, this one of the things, this is not just, um, you know, just uh, when, when you say indentured servitude, a lot of people are going to be sitting there going, okay, well, well, what's the issue with that? Well, let's go to the Constitution. 13th Amendment, just for people who aren't, who, who don't know. 13th Amendment says, mm-hmm. Section 1, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, that's this, this is what we're talking about, except as a mm-hmm. punishment for a crime, not for a debt, for crime. Okay, a debt is a civil matter. A cr- a, obviously, a crime is a criminal matter. But it says, as punishment for a crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Section two, Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. Now, immediately comes to mind is not just uh, this. But when mm-hmm. our government got involved in wars that they shouldn't have been involved in across the ocean, uh, and they in, in, enlisted the draft, that was indentured servitude. That was involuntary servitude. It was slavery. Like it or not, when they you could say, oh, well, it was patriotic. You can say that all you want to. But there were a lot of people who went who didn't want to go. And some of them for cowardice reasons and some of them for legitimate principled reasons they didn't believe that they should be and that we should be involved in that and i would tend to agree with that uh so much so that uh, those people who you know really love jfk he was against it too he wanted to shut the whole thing down like in vietnam so i just want to point people back here's the standard we have you can't do this now lynn's pointing out to you what this stimulus bill what it has within it to enslave your children now lynn i told my daughter uh, my oldest daughter, mm-hmm. she is. Mm-hmm. She was about to finish up her master's degree, and of course, this stuff came in, and these colleges, you know, follow the line of whatever the government says. So she hasn't quite finished that. But <clears throat> one of the things I told her, and she worked with me at Freedom Outpost at the time, she read the horror stories. She got sick of reading them. <laughs> she said, "I have these mm-hmm. every week," and it's just. I said, "I know, honey, but we have to keep that out in front of people to remind them." And so many people mm-hmm. haven't learned that, but she learned it. She kept good grades. She kept her 
you know, she got grants, uh, which is money she didn't have to pay pay back uh, from different people who, you know, they had trust funds or whatever they're, they're funneling that money into. So she did that. She even used some of her own money and is not in debt with going to be soon with a master's degree there. So it is possible to do these things. But here, here's the government coming in, and somebody said, this is more like communism than socialism, and I agree. It probably is, is more like that. Right. But the fact that they gave them money in the first place is a socialistic mm-hmm. concept that it's all you know this far away from one another, fascism, socialism, communism. It's all based on Marxism, right. which is anti-biblical. And this is what people need to understand. It's anti-biblical, right. which makes it anti-American at its core. And you're exactly right. And one of the things that I was bringing up about, you know, under Obama, that uh, loan repayment uh, process, okay, the the uh, administration at that point was really, really shocked and amazed that more students across America didn't take advantage of that program. Well, here is here we are under the Trump administration, and you've got this national crisis, if you will, and they're ushering in similar things, and people are okay with it. Why? It's the same program with a little bit of different window dressing on it, but the same agenda. And here's another thing. No one that I know who has a student debt, okay, can faithfully make payments for 10 years every single month unless they've got a fantastic job and no interruptions or no life emergencies or anything like that. But to assume that a kid right out of college, no matter what degree, can faithfully make payments for 10 years, I'm not saying it can't happen, okay? I'm just saying that it's, it's the, the parameters around it are, are pretty high, okay? Um, you're going to go for 10 years, and then the rest of your debt's forgiven. Well, that sounds great. But what did we hear Sanders? What did we hear Warren? What have we heard uh, Trump even say, you know, with he and DeVos's uh, scholarships, supposedly, for, for choice in, in education? It's going to be absorbed by someone else. Those scholarships, those tax credits, those grants, those waivers, somehow, some way, they will be paid back because that is the nature of the government, and um, we were doing it. We could be charged with extortion, but our government does it, and it's okay. And that is tyranny in its chief form. No, I couldn't agree more. I, I really couldn't agree more. Now, what else do you have from this? Because you wrote a lengthy article. I mean, you're this is Acts yeah. one and two, and you're marching into mayhem. We're going to have a lot of resources uh, in the archive, just so people know. I mean, I've got. Oh, man, I've I've got probably 10 documents here and some visuals uh, that we're using. So when after the show, uh, I'm going to take a nap. That's what I'm going to do after the show. And then once we do that, uh, later this morning, we'll have this up and at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And people will be able to go through all of the information that you've provided, uh, not only in your article, but in several articles and then several links to government uh, websites and um, also reports, and then the visuals that you provided. So don't don't worry if you don't get everything, folks. Um, right. Lynn, Lynn's taking care of you. She's got all that stuff. We're going to have it up later on this morning. Well, probably one of the biggest things we need to point to, if you'll get to that visual where you see the wrench and the hammer from the United States Department of Labor, 
And I don't know if you could put that side by side with the um, the former Soviet Union's uh, sickle and hammer visual, but look at those side by side if you can, or if you can't, you know, scroll up and scroll down and look at it. I've, yeah, I've got it. Sickle. I've got it. And then I've yeah. had it. The, the, when I did this, when I actually did this uh, article of yours and mm-hmm. we posted it at Sons of Liberty Media, we had the kind of the red and yellow propaganda piece with the guy with the flag. And mm-hmm. this is what he has. He doesn't have the hammer and sickle. He's got the hammer and the wrench. I saw that. That was so cool. I meant to tell you thank you. But, yeah, if you don't know what the hammer and sickle means, the red field uh, was the blood that's been spilled by the workers and the farmers in their struggles. The hammer was the urban industrial workers, while the sickle was the agricultural workers or the peasants. Okay, the red star outlining um, all this was for the Communistic Party. All right, well, if you go up here and you look at the U.S. Department of Labor, and I think this was an article from 2015 that I wrote, there you see a wrench and a hammer, and this is for apprenticeships. So they're not too far removed, and I'm thinking, you know, why in the world would the government be that in our faces without us ever recognizing it? And I think the reason why the Department of Labor use that, first of all, they're just as unconstitutional as the Department of Education, but I think the reason why they're using it is, you know, because they're marching us right into this sort of case system that we've uh, talked about for I don't know how many episodes. And that goes in with all the isms that are everything except what America was founded on. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and split hairs over what's socialist, Marxist, communist, or fascist. Um, it's all marching us right into that stuff that we had many presidential candidates. And, you know, I did a whole series on educational stances from all the people who are still in the race and all those who had dropped out. And, Tim, none of them, none of them were wanting to get America back to what it was. They wanted to maintain the status quo. And here we have our president and our administration continuing to, to reign in tyranny. Uh, with this kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think the reason they want to keep the status quo is, one, it's it's padding their pocketbook. And two, they don't want to upset the apple cart too much because then they'll be blamed for whatever happens. Now, this leads me to some questions, um, you know, in sure. my own mind. And it, it may not be for you, but it's when when I deal with them, um, because I've been given so much of this information with this Q PSYOP thing, I think it's a PSYOP. That's me. Um I've been into so much information that everybody says, well, don't worry about it because all of this, this debt that's incurred through the Federal Reserve is not really debt because they're printing money out of thin air. It's not really backed by anything. Nobody's done anything with it, whatever. And, you know, even Ron Paul in his book in the Fed talked about auditing the Fed, find out what we actually owe. And I think at the time he was writing, he said we actually owe in real money Around a trillion dollars. I think this was back in 2012, just before that, something like that. And he said the rest of this mm-hmm. stuff they've got on their ledger, we don't owe them anything because they just made money. They just made pieces of paper. But they, it's not real money. It, it's not worth anything. It's an IOU note. It's not like, you know, you can go to the pawn shop today and you can buy a silver note or a silver certificate. Um, you know, people collect those and stuff. You used to go, go in the bank with that, like a $5 silver certificate, and you get a piece of silver for it. Now you take that in, and they're going to laugh at you. Oh, we don't have gold. We don't have silver here. What are you doing? Uh, this is an IOU note. 
And so we get into those kinds of things that impact all of this because these kids uh, on, on some of these things, what we're talking about, with this, whether it's your $1,200 check or whether it's these kids with the student loan debt, you get it at one point and the dollar's worth so much money. And the farther you go down the line, the less that dollar's worth, and you're still paying back whatever its value was before. You're still paying that back to these people. So there's a lot of things that get confusing. I appreciate you said, let's not make the distinction between you know, fascism, communism, and all that other, because in the end, what it is 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 a theft from the people to give to somebody else in order that somebody else might get a vote and keep their power. And I think that's where people have to keep their eyes on what's going on. Right. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. Um, Well, let's see. Um, The waivers will strip your rights and the grants shift control. But the point of it is, is it's away from you. It's taking your freedom, your liberties. And it doesn't matter what kind of system it is. When you lose your rights and your freedoms, you're a controlled person. Now, we don't like when mom or dad tells us what to do, but we're going to sit here and we're going to lock, stock, and barrel, take into consideration, oh, my government says I shouldn't, you know, go out and do this, or my government says that, you know, I need to uh, not pay my loan right now. When did the government become your parent? It, it shouldn't, you know. Keep paying those as long as you can because you're going to be a whole lot better off. Yeah, it's going to be hard. But it would certainly be a whole lot better than you taking advantage of of not paying anything and then find out, you know, a few months later, oh, they want it all at once, and then what are you going to do? You know, our economy has totally tanked over all this, and these billions of dollars that DeVos is handing out in emergency aid in the name of COVID-19 are not going to help us at all because this is money that we the people and for generations are going to have to pay we're going to have to cough it up somehow and just yesterday afternoon she announced that she's going to send out three billion dollars on top of the 6.28 that she just um made it out for um education aid but this new three million over and above clarify so people know who you're talking about the she is here I'm sorry, Betsy DeVos, okay. Secretary of Education. All right. I'm so sorry. You're okay. right. I should have said that. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. I just want to be okay. clear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, last week it was Betsy DeVos announced that, you know, it's going to be over the $6 billion in, you know, student relief and that sort of thing for emergency COVID relief. Yesterday it was DeVos was announcing $3 billion more in emergency block grants to governors. Now, the governors, and this is what is so just in our faces again, Tim, in the press release, it says, governors have the opportunity to truly rethink and transform the approach to education during this national emergency and assure that learning continues. Now, that's a direct quote from Betsy DeVos, okay? Let's look at that. Governors have the opportunity to rethink. Governors if they'd had any moxie about them, would have exercised their Tenth Amendment well before now. So her saying from a federal level that, oh, yes, now we're going to give the governors a chance to rethink. Well, let's think about this again, all right? Let's look at the facts. Every governor 
belongs to the National Governors Association. The National Governors Association owns half the copyright to the Common Core State Standards or whatever they've been renamed, College and Career Readiness Essential Standards or, you know, whatever it is, okay? They own half the copyright to those uh, national standards that everyone's had to kowtow to. doesn't matter what choice you're in because they're going to slap you in the face at some time. So are the governors really going to take back local control in the name of COVID? No, they're not going to do it because they should have already been doing it under the Tenth Amendment, and they haven't yet. So what makes us think they're going to suddenly have the light bulb go off and go, oh, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to take government money. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree with you more. In fact, this was uh, some of the argument against the Article 5 convention where these liars, um, and I'm I'm just going to say what they are. Look, I have a lot of respect for Michael Ferris and what he did with the homeschool movement. But the, but he and uh, and Mark Meckler are just lying to the people about our history. They're lying about these things. And it's like, guys, these are you're you're petitioning the same people that take the federal money, the government cheese, if you will. And you're mm-hmm. wanting these people to orchestrate getting people into the convent their what they call a convention of states. It's another constitutional convention. Article five is that's what it is. And it opens up a and if people don't know their history, they don't know that even what we would say good men at the time said, well, we know what our, our, our limits are that Congress has given us to amend the Articles of Confederation. But you know what? This is just too important. We've got to rewrite a whole nother thing. They were even saying it themselves. Right. So the point that you're making there is these guys, the light bulb's not going to go on with the governors because Why? Well, we see what they're doing for the most part. I mean, even in our state, I can't get Governor McMaster's media guy. I think his name's Brian Sims. I've given him several calls. I've said, where is the governor getting any constitutional authority to say what is a non-essential and essential business? Because I'm going to tell you what, if you own a gym, it's pretty essential to you, isn't it? If you own a restaurant, it's pretty essential to you. And I'm talking about letting people eat inside, not just a takeout thing. If you own any of these other businesses, I don't know, get an oil change or, you know, whatever you've got. But the but the but the government can determine that the um, the alcohol stores can be open. They can determine that you know your abortion baby murder mills can be open, and those are considered essential. Now, as soon as you go down that road, there's no constitutional authority for doing that. If they're not going to do it there, if they're not going to do it with the with the federal money, what makes them think they're going to do it in the situation just like you said? With the state money. Well, let's see. In um, the scheme of South Carolina, let's see. Your state in emergency relief funds for education, and this is education that covers your state population, no matter where they go to school, even if they homeschool, from the ages of 5 to 24. So don't tell me this is just for K-12 through in public school. No, it's not. It is for every age in every kind of institution. But South Carolina is set to get... Uh, just under $48.5 million. Now, where I live, North Carolina, we're going to get almost $96 million. 
isn't that lovely? Yeah, because so the, that's the going to further... just indebt us even more. <laughs> but you know, and and I got sent last night. Um, oh, you talk about the stuff you get sent. <laughs> I get sent a bunch of stuff too. But I had someone who said, you know, it's uh, we need to make sure that uh, Amendment Twenty Eight passes. Now, let me point out why that ties to education because Congress, their children, if they go to school or their children go to school, they don't have student debt. They don't have to pay a blasted thing for student debt. You and I get to pay that. But here's the thing. 28 attacks that, but it does it in the name of the constitutional conventions, which we know those are bad news. So you've got a good thing. Yeah, let's have the Congress people have their kids pay just like we do, because otherwise it's tyranny. You know, if the government does it, it's okay. If we don't pay our bills, it's not okay. So, you know, there's that. So when is it going to – it's not going to end until we get so blasted, fed up that we do what we're supposed to do, and that is to take our government back. Yeah, and a lot of people have different reasons or different methods that they put forth. Some of them are very fascist at their core. Some of them are communist because the, our government provokes us. And so some people think, well, we'll get our guns and we'll just go you know, storm the gates or whatever. And uh, I think that – there has to be a way where we do it under the law because we're the lawful. If we go in and act unlawfully in the matter, even though we may have good intentions, the fact mm-hmm. is we become exactly what the people we're opposed to are. So there has to be a way in which we do it. I'm all for guns. Anybody that knows me knows I'm for that. But the fact of the matter is even our forefathers used those defensively, not offensively. So here's part of the issue that I see. I see people are constantly saying, well, what do we do? You know, when you point out the crimes of this administration, just like we were faithful in pointing out the crimes of the previous usurped administration, they go, well, who are you going to put up for president? Well, that's not the right question. The right question is, what does our Constitution say that you do with such a person that does this? Well, it says you impeach them. And I can see everybody's eyes roll. Well, hey, they've already tried that. Yeah, they did it for things that obviously, from at least from my perspective, they brought charges against him for things he wasn't guilty of. They didn't bring him against things that he violated the Constitution on. And so this is the catch that, that people are in, that the things he violated the Constitution on, guess what? Democrats are right there with him. Other Republicans are right there with him. And so you yeah, have this— yeah. And our Constitution allows for that secession with a vice president. I'm not happy about Mike Pence either, but it allows for that. And so we may have to deal with him on that side. But the thing is, is we have to start following the law. And we have to do that with our representatives, too, holding them accountable. If we're not going to do that, we're never going to take our country back. And people are asking, you know, how do we do that? Take it back how? Detuned to ask the good question. And I think it's a good question. How do we do that? Well, I think it is we start enforcing the law. We the people, let me give you this example, and you can comment on this, Lynn. When covenants were formed in the past, whether it's Solemn League Covenant, uh, Mayflower Compact, um, whether it was the new or old covenant of the Scriptures, whatever it is in history, God-fearing people always put God at the start. They didn't start at we the people. They spoke about the Creator. They spoke about God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's who they spoke about. Why? Because he would be the one who who brought the covenant blessings 
or the covenant cursings on what happened. And you can go through all of Scripture. You can see where God established covenants. God is the one who does it. And a perfect example of that is when he makes a covenant with Abraham. And then he causes Abraham to go to sleep. And then he's the one who carries the whole weight of the covenant upon himself, right? So when we're under ours, what we did was we said, no, we're not going to make God the one who oversees this. It's going to be we the people. So if we the people don't enforce the Constitution, it will not be enforced when the president fails to do his duty. And and so it's up to us to put so much pressure on them. And I know so many people are cynical like I am. I get it. There has to be so much pressure on them to say, do your job. This is what we hired you to do. We didn't hire you to take care of the economy. We hired you to bring justice, to make sure that the laws are faithfully executed for the president and for our representatives, for you to write law that's within your enumerated powers. And that's it. And uh, and we haven't done that. We just haven't done that. We've had protests, and I appreciate people's passion. We've spent money, and I appreciate people's generosity. But where's the justice at? Where are we pushing for justice? And I think that's that's really the key to taking our government back, a repentance towards God, enforcing justice, because justice is what surrounds him. He is a just and holy God. What do you got to say? I think you're absolutely right. And, yeah, we're supposed to shut down bad government, and we're supposed to fix it, and we're supposed to open it up. And, you know, everybody's going, well, you know, we can't even – and you know, here's the thing. We can't even protest right now. Um, there was a group that wanted to protest in Raleigh yesterday about uh, – they wanted to petition that, you know, the governor open the state back up because we know – you know, some of us know that the economy is just hard already, and we're not very far into this. And the police told the protesters that protesting has been deemed as a non-essential activity, therefore it cannot happen. Now, if that is not a in-your-face live example of our First Amendment's rights being trampled on by folks who shouldn't be trampling on it, I don't know what is. And this is the danger that we're seeing, not just in education. We're seeing it happen across the board. And it's all being done in the name of COVID. That's what is so... Whoops, I think we lost Lynn there. Lynn's going to be back in just a bit, I'm sure... Uh, if if I can get her a message real quick um, that she's been cut off. I don't know what happened. Um, sorry about that. Let me send her a quick message uh, that she's been cut off. So she'll be calling back in a minute. Look, if you're a person, uh, my friend Brian, um, who's in the chat this morning, he sent me the thing on the story up there in North Carolina where they were doing these kinds of things. And part of the issue is, is that uh, they got into... Uh, doing these things. So if you have video, if you have pictures, if you have names of these officers, okay, let me tell you something. These guys don't know the law. They're the new Nazis. That's what I'm going to call them. I don't care if they're national socialists or not. I'm going to use the term because they're just doing their job. That's what they, that's how they justify infringing upon your rights, violating the constitution, which is, which itself claims to be the supreme law of the land. They're violating that in the name of whatever, health and safety or whatever. We're going to bring Lynn back on. Sorry about that, Lynn. I don't know what happened. Uh, You got cut off there. But I was telling people if they have pictures of Mm -hmm. these officers who are arresting or ticketing people or whatever they're doing up there in North Carolina, because uh, Brian has sent me the article on that. I was going to try to get something out yesterday, but I didn't get a chance Mm -hmm. to. That we need to expose these officers. They are – they – 
whether people like to say it or not, and I get it, they want to say, oh, well, they're just taking care of their I get that. They're taking care of their families. They want to keep their I understand doesn't give you a right to commit a crime, and this is what this is. This is criminal activity by the agents of the state as pawns for those who who usurp the law, like uh, Governor Cooper and his stupid staff up there with their coronavirus thing. Their staff on the coronavirus, uh, what is that, Dr. Cohen? Uh, she's about as I- idiotic as uh, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks. Um, we're letting these bureaucrats, they're not elected by the people, and we're, we're talking about them, but then we're not holding it to the people we do elect. Nobody's pointing at Donald Trump for giving those guys a platform. Nobody's pointing to uh, Governor Cooper or Gov- you know, um, for, for his coronavirus task force and the, the idiots that come up and lie to people that they can actually transmit a virus to somebody else. These are lies, and people's lives are being ruined over these lies. Absolutely, and I guess, you know, um, yeah, I got cut off, and that's okay. I probably was saying something somebody didn't want me to say. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe. (laughs) That's okay, but yeah, I I, I really don't understand um, why this is happening. Um, I, I guess if you really want to go down the road of conspiracy, which, you know, I had someone tell me, uh, I think it was yesterday, oh, I can't use that because, after all, people are not going to listen to me. I'm like, no. You know, when we dismiss something as a conspiracy, we're totally dismissing the fact that there's something really going on. So, yeah, let's go down this road. Let's look at what is really going on. And right now, we've certainly got the time to do it. So that's why I've got your listeners and your viewers so many resources so they can uh, do their own homework. Tomorrow's article is going to expose the agenda behind the education savings accounts that will attach into all this stupid education relief and all that kind of stuff as well. So just lots of agenda going on, and it's playing out. And, you know, it's yeah, we get on here every week and we talk about what's bad, and, yeah, we need to talk about what's good, and one day we'll get to do that. But we're trying to get folks to wake up to this is what's going on under your nose, and let's all be fed up and let's all do the right thing and stop it. Yeah, it's to, it's to deal with the thing that we should be dealing with. And this is what I was talking about about enforcing the covenant because the constitution is a covenant is a covenant document it has all five parts of a covenant and the ones who are to enforce it are the people and if the people are ignorant in large measure are they going to come and uh, enforce that covenant no they're not and uh, i believe it's thomas jefferson who said the people can't uh, expect to be ignorant and free at the same time and this is part of the issue that we that we come up against um i get frustrated because we say the same thing over and over, don't we? We can bring in new yeah. information of stuff that the tyrants are doing. But the issue is many people say, well, what do I do? Well, what do I do? Well, I think there is an issue. I really do think there's an issue that even with uh, – I think there are a lot of compromised men, but they still have some bit of a conscience that if you put enough pressure on them, they'll do whatever you say because they know people are looking. And there are people who've just completely severed their conscience. There's no need in dealing with those folks. But we, we've got to keep putting the pressure on. And I would say, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I would say that our, our deal is not so much dealing with the federal government. We can see what they're doing. 
They want to be as far mm. away from the people as they can. This is why I think we need to bring them home so they have to live in their communities and answer. We need to ratify the First Amendment. You people pushing a, con- a convention of states, ratify the First Amendment, the original First Amendment, which is to give you a representative for every 50,000 people rather than 750,000 people. And you know what? There are already 11 states on. That means you just got to get 26 states to say, yeah, we ratify that, and it becomes law like that. And it mm-hmm. will destroy this easy lobbying that goes on to D.C. because – and you're going to go from like 500 representatives to like 6,500. And if you think you can get all those to, to agree on something, knock yourself out on that. But uh, I think that's a <laughs> – I think that's an important thing. And that, that comes from a Presbyterian model too uh, rather than a Roman model where everything goes to a hierarchy up this way. Um, it, it builds up into something that's wide. It beca- becomes more people – who are in the voice of the people. I mean, that's just, that's my opinion. That's what I think. But nobody wants to push that. And if I were a younger man half my age, maybe I would pick that up and start a site and start promoting that in the States because I think that's an easy way to do it. We don't need a, uh, we don't need a Congress to call a constitutional convention. We don't need, we can start eliminating a lot of the lobbying and a lot of the stuff where we get our laws. Because if you think <laughs> that Democrats write the laws they put up, come on. Come on. These things are hundreds or thousands of pages. There's no way these people are sitting down and writing this. This has come from special interest groups outside of them. And I think this is what you're getting at, Lynn, is we're going to have to push for this. So if maybe there's somebody out there. You want to contact me? You want to push the original First Amendment? Hey, I'll help you. I even set up a website for you if you want to do that. And, uh, and let's push for that. I'm happy to do that. Um, but let's... Let's do something to where we're fighting a back against tyranny rather than laying down towards it, whether it be your, your stay-at-home orders, whether it be some of these things that are coming out of the, this quote-unquote stimulus uh, that you've got. We've got about uh, four minutes here, Lynn. What are some of the other mm-hmm. things that you have? Because you've given me a ton of information. We're going to put this in the archive <laughs> so people can back up. What's some other things you've got? Okay. Uh, let's see here. You have got... Um, links to other articles that I've written about showing the um, the continued push for workforce education. You've got links for how this is tyrannical. You've got um, all kinds of things there, and I'm trying to pull up the email and see what it was I sent to you. Ah, here we go. Okay. Uh, lifelong learning. That's a, that's something that we're seeing used or continued learning. That's the phrase that the current administration is using during this, this crisis, you know, continued learning. Well, that goes right in step with the lifelong learning. That is a phrase that is, uh, that was coined by the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. It is a global organization, much like the WHO and the World Bank and the United Nations. And they came up with lifelong learning, and it's a system of control. And we've seen that play out as well here in America. Uh, let's see here. Let me see if I can pull that up. All right. Yeah, here it is. The OECD approach to lifelong learning uh, covers all purposeful learning activity from cradle to the grave. So when you hear folks using cradle to the grave or pre-K to gray, that's where it's based off of is this particular definition, all right? It covers the whole life cycle and is comprised of all forms of formal, non-formal, and informal learning. Well, Every Student Succeeds Act, when it 
tied in the Higher Education Act, when it tied in the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act, Tim, that's what it did. It got it attacked formal, informal, and um, non-formal learning because it said all education had to be aligned to the same thing. Okay. It's also going to go into that uh, lifelong learning needs to be uh, students controlled. What are we seeing happen right now? Kids are at home, and they're supposed to be in charge of what they're learning instead of um, having a teacher teach them, you know, and teachers are really getting a raw deal with all this as well. So you've got that. You've also got the fact that we have um, tyranny when the government does it. It's okay, but when we do it, we, you know, it's not okay. Um, You've also got, uh, let's see here, a 45-minute video from the former Assistant Secretary of Labor, uh, Oates, on the future of work, and it's 45 minutes, and the reason I put it in is because she's talking about lifelong learning and global workforce, and this is, again, what these apprenticeships and what all this shift in education is doing away from academics into workforce. So take some time, look at that one. You know, you're going to see that as well. Um, You want to talk about the system that is being set up for workers, the haves and the have-nots and things like that. In 2019, I wrote an article uh, addressing the word games that go on with the word competency. And the reason that's so important in all this, Tim, is, again, it points back to the competency-based education. And here in the 90s, here in America, we were able to fight that uh, because we didn't want competency competency-based education or outcome-based education because we knew that was taking away from academics. Here we are all these years later, and we've embraced it, or it's been embraced for us, and that's what we're having to deal with. Yep. I appreciate you, Lynn. Thank you so much. Um, All of your information is wonderful. You work hard. People, if you want to support Lynn, go to CommonCoreDiva.com. If you want to support us, look, I know things are tough. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. There's a donate button, Sons of Liberty. We'll talk to you in 23. Alan Keyes, see ya.